We want to thank all of the first responders also, EMTs, police officers. I don't know if we have any here. We had some in the first service. We know we have Ed, firefighter back there in the back. We thank God for our military around the world. But if you've got a fire going on near you, you thank God for the firefighter who's on the way down the street to rescue you. Anybody here? Let's give Ed a hand back there in the sound. Well, let's make this confession. The Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. The same is true for people groups of ethnicity and nations. Nations are blessed when they perform the Word of God. And the same is true for America. Tell those people around you, great things ahead. Great things ahead. Glory to God. John Ganser, where are you? Is today, hi, I didn't say hi to you. Today is a special day. This is John's birthday. Say happy birthday, John. Awesome, awesome. I thought you were giving me an offering envelope. I thought you had an offering. Good to have all of you in the house of the Lord. In your bulletin, we're going to be talking about God blessing America and God's original intent for this great nation. And in your bulletin, uh, I just have a few books that are listed there that I really recommend all of you to buy, purchase. If you can't afford it, you call the church and we'll buy it for you. But you need to learn these yourself. You need to teach these to your children, your grandchildren, your nephews, your nieces. And uh, the, the first one is uh, Original Intent by David Barton, one of the most powerful books I have ever read on America's original intent, what God intended for America to be. The second one, The Light and the Glory, is an absolute primer book that every family should have. It is a compilation of the verbal diaries of Christopher Columbus, who believed he was on a mission from the Holy Spirit to come to this part of the world and further the advancement of Christianity. Christianity. Many people believe that Christopher Columbus was uh, part Jewish, and uh, we won't get into that now, but I've got a book I'm reading on the uh, Jewish Christopher Columbus that is, is just fantastic what it says. A brand new uh, release that I'm, I'm about halfway through is powerful. If you can keep it, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, and uh, if you can keep it, comes from a quote from Benjamin Franklin that we've been given a republic if you can keep it, but you're going to have to fight to keep the republic. And the myth of separation of church and state, there is no separation of church and state as some in the Supreme Court have declared it, and we declare their words null and void, but uh, I really recommend that by David Barden also. And if you read a lot, you will learn a lot. Whose Bible do I have? If you read a lot, you will learn a lot. Is this your Bible? Would you like your Bible back? There you go. If you read a lot, you learn a lot. Is that correct? That's right. And if not, your husband will tell you. (laughs) It's good to, you know, when we were uh, singing, uh, I enjoy laughter. I always have loved it. And when we were singing the Marine Corps hymn, every time we do that, I think about my brother-in-law, Mike Buckmiller. He's up in heaven now. And he fought a valiant fight. He really did. And we thought he was going to win the fight on this side, but he didn't. He was healed on the other side. But I remember one day being in, in, in the hospital with him, and we're talking about life and death. And, you know, he was believing to be healed, and I was believing he would be healed also. And it didn't. And he was. He was. It was just different than what we had believed. But we were talking about 
the Navy and the Marine Corps, and I would always kid him about the Navy, and I said, oh, you seagoing guys, you know, you just get drunk, you don't know how to drive the ships, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he'd say, why'd they, why'd they ever put Marines on the uh, ships anyway? And I said, keep you guys from falling overboard. You just get drunk, you fall overboard, you drown, we have to pull you in and get you back on the ship. And, and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just laughed. He said, you guys are just all a bunch of jarheads. And, uh, and that's what they call the Marine Corps, the Marines, and a lot of people do. I said, yeah. I said, now, you know, Mike, when you get to heaven, uh, if you get there before me, you're going to be greeted by not only Jesus, but by a bunch of Marines. He says, what makes you think that? And uh, I said, because you've never obviously sung the last verse of the Marine Corps hymn. Now, this is true. This is the last verse of the Marine Corps hymn. And it says, if the army or the, he said, he said, I don't believe that. And I said, well, I'll sing it for you. And it's, as it's, it's the, if the army or the Navy ever look on heaven's scenes, they will find the streets are guarded by United States Marines. <laughs> and he just laughed and he shook his head. He says, is that really the last verse? I said, yeah, it is. He said, well, I, I guarantee you one thing, they'll all be drunk. <laughs> I said, I don't think there's any booze in heaven, Mike, but, but there might be. I don't think so, though. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 21. And I'm going to be sharing a scripture there that is a little controversial, not with me, but it's a little controversial. But the original intent for this nation is so important that we, that we learn it. And I'm going to capsule the entire message. God's original intent for America was to be a right light to the world. It was an area where a, a, a land where people of all faiths, no faith or whatever, could come and be free and have liberty. But mainly it would be a light that would shine the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. And if you, find, if you, if you read many of the early documents... Uh, supposedly, I have certainly not done this, but David Barton has researched that of the first 16,000 documents that are in our national archives, approximately 90% plus of all of the documents referred to either the Old Testament or the New Testament. They would talk about Jesus, they would talk about the Old Covenant, the New Covenant, and that it was obvious that our founding fathers and that our founding government wanted this to be a Christian nation. Now, sometimes voices rise up and say that we're not a Christian nation. Well, that's fine. Voices can rise up and say whatever they want because of our liberty. But we declare the truth of God's original intent that this was to be and still is a Christian nation to the world as a bright light to the entire world. And when you understand that, then you can start to understand the conflict that's going on. In the Garden of Eden, if you recall, God said, I made man in in our image and that he would subdue the entire world. I'm paraphrasing, subdue the entire world. And that in the Garden of Eden, everything would be perfect. But then when man sinned and they believed and started to move off course with the original intent as they moved off course and believed a lie that, well, I can partake of this fruit. Eve believed something that was contrary to the truth that she knew. Adam believed something that was contrary to the truth that he knew, and the end result was the very land that God wanted all of the people of the earth to have, they were put out because God realized that sin had entered in. Israel, when Israel began, was the promised land. Genesis chapter 12, God said, I'm going to give you the land, the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and it's going to be yours. And he put the people in there, 
And when the people lived the truth, they were blessed, and blessing after blessing came upon them. They were a light to the entire world. God's original plan, His original intent with the state of Israel was to bless the entire world and to bring people into the kingdom of God. That was God's plan. However, the people lived a lie. They started entertaining something that wasn't truth, and they started moving a few degrees this way, a few degrees that way. Pretty soon, God had to take them out of the land, get them out of that land, and take them into captivity so he could get them back on course to follow after him. Don't think that the same thing could not happen to this land. God has always been into land covenant and people covenant. The Garden of Eden was a land that God gave to the people. He took it out because he had to. The nation of Israel, thank God, 1948 came and he restored that nation back to his, his original intent. And now they're moving toward and hopefully will continue to follow the path that he set before them by what the truth of the word of God is. But don't think that, a God, that God could not weigh in on America if we go off of the original intent. And let me take a little survey. We took this in the survey, uh, survey in the first church, first, church, first service. But how many of you would say that there are a whole lot of areas where America is off of the original intent right now? We're kind of off the reservation where we should be. And men and women of God, if they will stand up and make a stand for this nation, you can make a difference. Uh, it's like, well, what can one person make? Well, one person can affect 10 people. Well, how many can 10 people affect? They can affect 100. Well, how many can 100 affect? They can affect 1,000. Use a multiplier of 10. How many of you believe you have influence in 10 people's lives? In this church right here, just this, this small amount we have in this service, we've got a lot of people going for the holidays and all. If every one of us influenced 10 people and they influenced 10 people, that's 100, then 1,000, then 10,000, then 100,000, then a million. You, the, the ripple effect would be amazing. The ripple effect of the devil is amazing. He's multiplying rapidly. What if the church did the same thing? What if everywhere we went, we influenced? I don't know where this expression came from, but I used to hear it years ago with my grandparents. We don't talk about, now they did though talk about religion and, and politics, but, but, but they would say, we don't talk about religion and politics. That's what it's all about religion and politics in America because the religion came of Christ, the new covenant, and then the political arena came based on the religious part of the new covenant. So when we understand that, we can understand what America is all about. And God's not finished with America. Tell that person next to you, God's not finished with America. I, I don't believe that at all. I believe we're bright light to the world. Now, what I'm about to read to you is a little bit controversial. I've tried to research it out, and I found people who do not believe this applies to America. Some say it does apply to America. Some say it uh, applies to uh, um, replacement theology. Some say that they don't even know what it means. I can't say 100% for sure that I know exactly what I'm talking about but I know what I feel. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say that? I know what I feel in my spirit. I feel good about this scripture as it relates to America. And the Word of God says this, and it's talking about how the, the chief cornerstone was rejected by the people of, of God's people, and that, but yet he became the chief cornerstone. And, and it's a miraculous thing in his eyes. And then in verse number 43, 
Therefore, he's talking about what's happened to Israel when they rejected Jesus. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. I'm going to read it again. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. In the commentary, in my commentary on this Bible, it says, in rejecting Jesus, they rejected the kingdom of God, which will be given to a nation, a term signifying a new people group that will be both Jew and Gentile, who will render to God the appropriate fruit and have God's fruit manifest in their nation. Let me ask you this question. It doesn't say America. It doesn't say it isn't America. But what nation on the face of the earth do you know of where the Jewish people, when they were persecuted, could come to and where they could live alongside? And what nation on the face of the earth appears to be bearing the fruit of God with abundance where Jewish people and Gentile people, meaning people non-Jewish faith, live together in total harmony, not saying we don't have anti-Semitism in this nation. We do. But we're relatively low compared to Europe and other areas of the world, and especially the Middle East. What nation would fit that description? Only one nation that I know, that's America. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 and 3, it says, I will bless those people who bless you, and I'll curse those people who curse you. What nation on the face of the earth has been the biggest blessing of Israel with prayer, military might, and finances, and standing alongside them? What nation would surpass America? Not a single nation on the face of the earth. I believe that we are blessed because God wants us to be blessed. God planted this nation for His glory, and God sees that we are the number one supporter on the face of this earth, the nation of Israel. Can you say amen to that? We may not know with 100% certainty that that applies to America, but here's what happens. Voices that are out there that will say things that are contrary to what you feel in your spirit based on what you have read, what you have heard, what you have studied. And that's why it's so important that you read books that are are, are talking about the things of God and training your children and, and your, your grandchildren and your nieces and your nephews because I, I don't have anything that I can present to you other than what I think. Maybe they've researched it out somewhere, but this I believe. What you read and you download into your spirit and into your mind, you retain. And the more you read it, the more retention you get. Then when you hear something that is contrary to that, you say, that's true. I know that's true. I believe that. And it increases your faith. But when you hear something that is not true, you say, that's, that's not true. I, I know that's not true. I know that because I've already downloaded this information. That is a lie. That is not true. And I'm not going to follow that lie. That's where Eve missed it. That's where Adam missed it. 
But what happens to a lot of people and our young people, I'm, it's, it's happening with my grandchildren. Uh, 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 Carter and Jack do not particularly like, to, Carter's starting to read, probably because I'm paying him for each book he reads, but that's okay. It, it's working. It's working. Some people might say, you're paying a child to read a book. It's better than playing those stupid games they're playing. Uh, the only reason I call them stupid is because I don't know how to do it. But, but. <laughs> But, uh, but they'll, whatever I'll pay him for, they'll read. Now, Carter's getting to the point where he likes to read. He, my, my nephew, or my uh, grandson, Carter, he texted me really late last night. He said, you know, Ellie Weissel died. Ellie Weissel wrote Night and many other books and a wonderful Jewish man. We've supported his ministry, his Jewish outreach in, I think it's California. And he's spoken at CUFI. He's just a powerful man of God. And I gave Carter the book, uh, Night. It's all about the Holocaust. And uh, uh, Ellie went through Auschwitz, wrote a book about it. It's just a, a just powerful, powerful book. And uh, Carter saw that he died. And he wanted me to know that. And, I, and because he had read the book about the Jewish people, Carter's getting a heart for the Jewish people. The reason he's getting a heart is not so much because of me, but it's because of the books that I'm starting to feed through him to read. So that when he hears something about boycott, divest from Israel, he said, whoa, that doesn't sound right. As a matter of fact, he asked me about that one day. He said, that doesn't sound right to me. Now, here's what happens to children, especially young people. They are so influenced by personality. Matter of fact, I, you know, I hope I'm wrong about this, but, but I think a lot of them are personality driven. If you got charisma and you got personality, they just seem to, you know, really like them. There's Movie stars, sports personalities, people like that. What they'll do, if they're not readers, they'll believe whatever they hear. So then when they start to hear things from people that they like or are drawn to, they'll start to download that as truth. And they'll start to believe that. Well, yeah, this... One of the most, and I know you've heard me say this a lot, and Thelma, you're a college professor, and I know, and you're an exception, but you know what I'm saying is true. One of the most dangerous places you can send your children is to college, to a university, or anymore, even a high school. You better know who their teacher is, you better know who their professor is, and you better know what those people are trying to download into your child. Because there are a lot of voices out there, and we've had experience with this, where a child goes to college one way and they come back and say, wow, what happened to you? Uh, You used to be a conservative Christian believing the Word of God, and now you are this. And it's because a lot of people don't like to read. And I hear this from a lot of kids. That most of the kids were in the first service, but they, I don't really like to read. It's because of technology. Technology came along and took their view and their eyes. You've got to get people back into books, but it also starts with mom and dad. If your kids and your nieces and your nephews see you reading, the chances are they may be more prone to read it. And if you have to pay a child to pay a book or to read a book, pay the child to read the book. Glory to God. And if you don't have the money to pay the child to read the book, come see Pastor Pam. She'll do it for you. Now, now, I, 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 how many of you are like me sometimes? You just start to get furious when you hear people saying things you know aren't true. And they have, they have an agenda, and they have a platform, and they have people that they speak to. And you see them, and, you know, Pam will say this. She'll say, Some, you just need to chill out, honey. You know, just, just, I just want to bind that thing and reach through that TV set or whatever. Folks, we ha- live in the greatest nation on the face of this earth. America is a bright light. We've got some challenges, but we are a bright light. And I want to share some things with you that 
a lot of people won't read in, in school. I asked the first church, by the way, or the first, I keep saying first church, the first service. Uh, I was, uh, Hill, I don't know how many of you have ever heard of Hillsdale College. It's one of the most conservative, awesome schools in America. It's up in Michigan. And I followed them quite a bit. And uh, they, uh, uh, they, they put out a challenge to America. And that is for every American to read the Declaration of Independence this July 4th or as close to it as they can. It's a very short document, very short, that changed the world, changed this nation but uh, to be and changed the entire world. Many nations, uh, the Sudan, for instance, trying their declaration, declaration based on our Declaration of Independence. Their Declaration of Independence Day, Independence Day is July the 9th, very close to ours. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, I thought, well, I'm going to encourage our church to do that, to read the Declaration of Independence. And then I got to thinking, I have never read all the way through the Declaration of Independence. That has now changed in between services, by the way. How many of you have never read all the way through the Declaration of Independence? What our nation is all about. So I just want to encourage all of you, get a copy of this. You can get them for a couple bucks at Barnes & Noble and get that Declaration of Independence and read it. If you haven't read it, I'm pretty sure your kids haven't read it. And if your kids haven't read it, their kids aren't going to read it. But it's what we're based upon, a Christian Judeo Nathan, a nation. Now, I want to, I want to share a couple of scriptures with you uh, concerning uh, our, our, our heritage and our original intent. In, in the light and the glory with uh, Christopher Columbus, uh, in, in his diaries, he felt like he was on a mission from God to exalt Jesus in the land that he would discover, and he felt the leading of the Holy Spirit. It comes out in the light and the glory. So there are some words that are not taught in school. The Mayflower Compact compact that was written by the pilgrims when they came over here was, this is what it states, having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith and honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in northern Virginia. So the first colony that was planted in this land that God had given to them was to be for the glory of God and to exalt Jesus. So far, so good. Turn to your neighbor, say, so far, so good. So now this stuff isn't learned in school. Our government, the judicial, uh, with three branches of government, judicial, legislative, and executive, comes right out in the early documents of Isaiah 33, 22. Judge, lawgiver, and king. England ruled by a king, but us by a different system. Okay, little test for you here. What did Patrick Henry say? Little weak, so do it again. What did Patrick Henry say? What did he get? Gave his life. Gave his life. Men and women gave their life for this nation. We are a great nation full of liberty today because of God, because of prayer, and because of men and women who have given their life as an ultimate sacrifice. When you, uh, I, I don't know how many of you have seen The Patriot. Every July 4th, Pam will go away and I'll watch The Patriot because she says that is awfully gory. How many of you have seen The Patriot? Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but the sequence in many of the uh, uh, movie of the Patriot come from actual historical events, especially the one with the pastor in the church. Uh, Mulberg was the actual person's name. But uh, it's actual events of what men and women did for this nation to be a nation of God 
of liberty and of freedom. They gave their sacred honor. It's right out of the Declaration of Independence. They paid a horrible price for the life that you and I have to live. And we've got to be tenacious because the devil is walking about as a roaring lion. He stole from Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden. He stole from the Israeli people for the promised land that they had because he got them off course. And he's doing everything he can, everything he can to get people off course here. You need to know what the people running for office stand for. You need to know. I don't know who's going to be running. It looks like it's Hillary Clinton. Could be Bernie Sanders, but I don't think so, but maybe. Uh, could be Donald Trump, it looks like. Could be the Libertarian, but probably not. Well, he's running, but probably, uh, you know, he's, they're, they're in certainly a minority. But you need to know what these people stand for. And this is what I encourage you. Should a pastor tell you how to vote? No way. But I will tell you what should uh, decide your vote. Uh, you should decide your vote based on the Bible. How do they stand on abortion? How do they stand on, uh, on sanctity of marriage? How do they stand on the relationship of Israel? And if they're not lining up with the Word of God on that, then you need to ask yourself, why am I voting for somebody who would vote contrary to what the Word of God says in those three areas that I just told you? Now, Patrick Henry, who said, give me, what did he say? What else did he say? Are you ready to hear what else? I'm glad you asked. Here it is. It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, not by religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Kids aren't going to learn that in school, but they can learn that in your house. The Supreme Court of the United States of America was set up to represent the people of America. How many of you realize that this country, one of my grandsons, He's down and he, he doesn't live here. He lives in Charlotte. Oh, wait, I don't want to say that. This will be, uh, this will be out on the Internet. We're going to use this service. Okay, I won't use that. It wasn't my grandson. It was somebody else who wasn't sure whether we had a democracy or a republic. What are we, how many of you think we have a democracy? How many of you think we have a republic? How many of you are not sure what we have? <laughs> Back in that era, there were three forms of government. You had basically a monarchy. Uh, well, no, there weren't three. You basically had a, a monarchy and you had some trying to have a democracy. We have a republic. And a republic, is. This, I want to give you the definition of it because it's so powerful. The definition of a republic is this. It is, where did it go? Republic, republic, republic. I had it here in the first service. Here it is. What is a Republic. It is a form of government where the supreme power rests with the people who elect their representatives to represent them. How many of you would say we have a few people in office who do not represent you? Well, they actually do. They're just not representing you the way you want to be represented. And what we've got to do is understand that. In this nation, this is a little bit off the subject, but I think it's so important. How many of you realize we have an electoral college? Electoral college by state is what actually elects the president. It's possible in America to have a majority of votes and still not become president because of the electoral college. Now, some people that haven't studied the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and the government set up the way it is would think, well, that's not fair. The majority of people should rule. That's a democracy. In a democracy, 
if the majority of the people become bad, guess what happens? You got serious problems. But in a republic, it's not the majority that rules. It's the, uh, the representation of the people in that country. So that if you would have a state that would become, they would open their borders to become quadruple the size of the nation. And all of the people groups in that state are influenced by the devil and they have more people living in that state than the rest of the country, guess what would do? The plurality would take over from the nation. Does that make sense to you? Or am I losing you? I'm getting too far into a history lesson, aren't I? The elect- Please say this, whether you believe it or not. The Electoral College, the electoral is, college. is a good thing. Yes. Not majority rules, but the people have the power by state, by state, by state, with the states being united. Now, I say all that because sometimes they don't represent us the way they should. This is what the Supreme Court said. The Supreme Court has said a lot of good things. And in the beginning, with the original intent of this nation, they have made great decisions. But somewhere along the line, they started to drift. They became like Eve. Well, yeah, I'll take a bite of this apple. What the heck? And and they become what they call politicized, polarized, and they start to vote based on ideology. They were never to vote based on ideology. They were always to vote based on the word of God through our governmental laws and that those laws determine. The Supreme Court in the Supreme Court have the Ten Commandments and they have ruled that the Ten Commandments can't be shown on government property. That makes no sense whatsoever. It's because of a distortion of truth. Everybody say distortion distortion of truth. When you hear it, you'll know it if you've read and if you've downloaded the right stuff. Now, this is what the Supreme Court said. We've had people in our government, the highest place in our government said that the United States is not a Christian nation. Where they get that? I have no idea because the founding documents state that it is. This is the Supreme Court of the United States 1826, in a case up to graph versus the Commonwealth. No free government now exists in the world unless Christianity is acknowledged and is the religion of the country. Its foundations are broad and strong and deep. It is the purest system of morality, the finest auxiliary, and the only stable support of all human laws. Christianity is part of the common law. The terminology common law is what America is based on. And Christianity was part of the common law, and common law was part of Christianity. The Supreme Court of the United States, 1844, the purest principles of morality are to be taught in schools. Where are they found? Whoever searches for them must go to the source where a Christian man derives his faith, the Bible. That's the Supreme Court, 1844. Now, someone in the Supreme Court, through people that have complained about it, Probably the devil again. Take a bite of this apple. Take a bite of this fruit. Come on, go over here. Uh, You know, did God really say that you should be able to have a Bible in school? Who said you can't have a Bible in school? The Supreme Court said you could. Then the Supreme Court said you couldn't. One man, one woman doesn't make a difference to God. It does not change the truth. And just because we have, isn't it strange now when Supreme Court Justice Scalia died, it really messed up the Supreme Court. He, he believed in the Bible. He believed in the foundation, the original intent of this nation. But when he died, now the Supreme Court is really skewed. Think about this just for a moment. 
whether it's abortion, uh, when abortion became law, it was seven to two on the Supreme Court. Those two justices that voted against uh, Roe versus Wade were not wrong. The seven justices were, but seven swayed the two. We've got to come back to our original intent. Tell your neighbor, back to the original intent. That's true in all of our lives, too, in following Jesus. What is God's original intent for my life? And then it goes on, the Supreme Court, first Supreme Court Justice of the United States, John Jay. Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty of a Christian nation to select and prefer Christians as their rulers. If the United States is based on the gospel of Jesus Christ and Jesus is Lord, and it's based on the Word of God, wouldn't it make sense that we had somebody that believed the Word of God in the White House and in the Senate and in the House of Representatives and on the Supreme Court? I'll give you the answer. It would make sense. Tell your neighbor, it would make good sense. But somebody's going to have to vote to get them there. Now, when Benjamin Franklin finished that first, constant, uh, first the, when, they, when they decided that they were going to sign the Declaration of Independence. And it came out. I shared this earlier. A lady asked him, said, Dr. Franklin, what is it that we have? Do we have a monarchy or do we have uh, a republic? And he said, you have a republic if you can keep it. And if you really study that, he told the people, you'll have to fight for this republic and you'll have to continually fight that it becomes a republic where the people that are in office serve the people who elected them. And that the minute that the people who are the majority, who have the, 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 the supreme power, the minute they become lethargic and don't hold those people in office accountable, then the country will begin to shift out of where it should be heading. How many of you believe the country has shifted? It started to move that direction. Now, I like Mike Huckabee. Uh, Mike, is it Mike? Yeah, Governor, Governor Huckabee. And, and, and he has posted a lot on, on the, the uh, Internet that I've seen, David Barton and people like that. I, I don't know that these facts are absolutely correct. But supposedly in America, there are approximately 60 to 80 million evangelical Christians. And of that 60 to 80 million evangelical Christians, about half of them vote. That would mean that about 30 to 40 million evangelical Christians do not vote for the offices in this nation. Every election period would be dominated by Christians if they voted. The person in the White House would be a Christian. Senators, representatives, if the body of Christ got involved, who is supposed to have the power and the authority in, in this country? The people. Everybody said, the people. It's the people who have that authority. So if they're all active and involved, but it's like, well, what would my one vote make? Your one vote might not make a difference, but 10 votes plus 10 plus 10 times 10 times 10. You see what happens, the ripple effect when it goes into effect. So the body of Christ needs to get involved. And what Franklin said is very true. If you can keep it, if you can keep the republic, and this republic is so powerful, it is a light to the entire world. Now, you might say, well, what, what do we do to, to come back on course? Well, Second Chronicles, a scripture that all of you know, 
7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. He's not talking to the people that are out there who don't know the Lord. He's talking to the people who know the Lord. If they'll turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear their prayers and I will heal their land. You and I need to begin to pray for this nation. I would encourage every one of you when you get up in the morning, just get out of bed and say, God, this is the day that you have made. I'm going to pray for my nation. I pray for the United States of America to be everything that you intend for it to be. I bind everything that would be contrary to that. I just bind it. I declare it null and void. And I just loose your power in this nation, the power of conviction, power of love, power of blessings, all of those types of things. If all of the Christians, and we have 320 million plus or minus, probably a little bit plus, 320, 350 million people in this nation. Of the nation... About 80% of America, now think about this, 80% of America claims to be Christian. If you take that figure, and we don't know that for sure that means they're really Christian, but they claim to be. If you take that figure, we have an astronomical amount of people that could actually change this nation. And the Word of God, I'll leave you with this scripture in 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Because if you wonder, well, I, things just going the wrong way. There are voices out there that say that the nation is going really bad and never going to make it and know it's going to make it and God would never do this and this will happen and that will happen. I don't know about any of that, but I know this. 1 John 14, 15 says, if you ask anything in accordance with my will, I will do it. No, it doesn't. What does it say? I said it wrong. What is, how's that go? How about if I read it and get it right? This is a... <laughs> This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything in accordance with his will, he will hear us and he will do it. What is his will? I believe with all my heart, we're all in agreement. His will is that America come to its senses. His will is that America would be a bright light on a hill. His will that America would continue to support Israel. His will that America would be a blessing to the world and evangelize the world. His will would be that people from around the world could come to this great nation and come into this nation and become Christians and become meaningful, gainingful, employed. God's will is for, it's never changed for this nation. Let's stand to our feet. It has never changed for this nation. From the very beginning, Christopher Columbus and his diaries, the Mayflower Compact, all of the early writings, God wants this nation to be a light to the world that has never ever changed. It never changed for God in the Garden of Eden, His original plan. His original plan for Israel never changed. He's got them back where He wants them right now.